0: Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. I'm Ken Sandberg.
1: And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler.
0: Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
1: Hello from the swamps of Florida and all the people that live in them.
0: (laughs) So, are you trying to say that you're surrounded by swamp people?
1: Um, yes. I think uh I think Florida was the uh was the inspiration for those the swamp person movies because the they move thing. a little slow a lot of them um they you know um don't necessarily always make great choices and um, every store I've been in since I've been here that isn't a target uh the people just seem like they have an IQ of about twelve so Swamp you people. know you're
0: living in a rough area when the bar for high IQ is those you meet at Target. Yes, and no they offense, have been Target.
1: lovely. <laughs> well, good job Target for hiring <laughs> the competent people, yeah. I guess. But yes, I'm in Florida now and uh, I start rehearsals tomorrow. Woohoo! Woohoo! And uh, of course I saw Ken's show last week and it was amazing. So you still have oh, another thanks. week. Yeah, you still have another week to catch Ken's show if you're in West Virginia. Get in touch with him for a comp.
0: <laughs> yeah, or even the surrounding industry. You just have to be able to
1: get to West Virginia. Yep.
0: My mom's coming and up w- from uh, North Carolina in a couple of days.
1: Yay! Yay, Jamie! <laughs> one of our loyal listeners. and yeah, one um, of these days we're really going to have to get her on the show. We will, and she's also one of our loyal fact checkers. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Always looking out. Thanks, Mom. When
1: when we shoot the shit, she makes sure to let us know that we did indeed shoot the shit. (laughs) (laughs) Or we shat
0: our shot, as it were. We (laughs) shat.
1: I am not going to shat my shot. (laughs) I am not going to shat my shot. All right.
0: So we have added (laughs) to the list. I owe an apology to Target and to Lin-Manuel Miranda.
1: Yes. I know (laughs) Lin-Manuel is listening, so... You can just say it right now. Sorry, dude. He's a he's a big fan. All That'd I want right. is Lin Manuel Miranda to be my friend. I think that's how most people feel on the planet. <laughs>
0: like, yeah.
1: He just seems I like he's also a good dude.
0: Accept a million dollars. I
1: mean, I feel like by knowing Lin Manuel Miranda, you are more likely to make a million dollars for that's something. That's
0: probably true. That's
1: Having probably the Lin Manuel hookup seems to go well for people. So. Hmm. But because then not only do you have a million dollars, but you have Lin-Manuel Miranda as a friend. It's like it's friend, like yeah. double lottery bonus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I won both lotteries. I want both. I want friends I and money. <laughs> Ugh,
0: God, greedy much?
1: Um. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I want the world.
1: I, I want, want the, the whole, whole world. world. Oh my God, I just saw like yesterday or today, I can't remember when I saw it, but they're doing a Willy Wonka prequel, like how Willy Wonka became Willy Wonka. And they're like, there's a crazy cast with it. Oh my God, what was it? I have, now I have to look it up because you, you sang Willy Wonka and now, I was like, that's interesting because you do kind of wonder how did that man end up alone in a factory with a bunch of Oompa Loompas, like making chocolate. I assume
0: that it is not a wholesome or healthy story.
1: Probably not Willy Wonka prequel. Wonka, is what it's called. Yeah, uh, the cast is Timothy Chalamet as okay. as Willy Wonka,
0: as Baby Willy.
1: Yep, Rowan Atkinson, um. Jim Carter, and Olivia Colman huh. and Sally Hawkins. Like the lit. I mean, it's a cr- Keegan Michael Key's in it. <laughs> like, yeah. It like stars. It's called Wonka. Yeah, and it started filming. So From the people yeah. who
0: brought you Cruella, here comes <laughs> Wonka.
1: Wonka. <laughs> yeah, but like crazy cast that popped up on my like some news feed the other day. I was like, ooh, I'm into that. I'm I'm kinda into that. And that cast is bonkers.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's got I wonder Mr. Bob would feel about that.
1: Rawl Doll's dead.
0: <laughs> That's why I said I wonder how he would feel about it.
1: Kind of how most of the authors feel about what we do to their stories, I
0: think. Oh, so he'd love it.
1: He'd love it. Yeah. He'd, he'd laugh right cool. along with us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Definitely would not be rolling over in his grave. N-
1: nope. And if they are, I mean, we will never know.
0: I suppose <laughs> if, if by doing what we do, we could cause the, the great, you know, literary minds of history to roll over in their grave at the very least what we're doing is creating a new form of energy that can be harnessed
1: exactly and you know maybe that can save global warming I think we're saving global warming this this podcast is um is helping to fix global warming by single-handedly
0: putting an end to climate change
1: you're welcome everybody tell your friends alternative
0: renewable energies (laughs) it's just insult dead people
1: Salt dead people and have them roll in their graves. <laughs> Channel that energy. Tesla would be so proud oh, of us.
0: <laughs> that's idiotic. Tesla would like that.
1: Tesla would like that He'd a be lot. On board. But yeah, so we have authors rolling in our graves. So I guess I guess we can talk about like what what this one, this thing we do do is that made no sense.
0: <laughs> so the thing that I do do is um oh, usually oh. mostly uh, cheese and coffee. Um,
1: did you see the doo doo thing I saw in Tampa today? Yes, uh, I did. Uh, we went to Target. We go on like a weekly grocery run and we went to Target. Um, and I walked up and there's a construction site next to Target, like in an old store. And there's a porta potty out front. And as I'm walking up, I go, please tell me that's a porta potty because on the side of the porta potty, which it, it did turn out to be, it just said duty calls. <laughs> That is the name of the company that owns these porta potties. Duty. Calls. I feel like
0: <laughs> if you work in that kind of waste management, you kind of have to have a sense of humor about what your company is going to be called, or it's just not going to work.
1: It was amazing, and the phone number that you, like you dial to like get, get one of these porta potties involved the word poop in the number. Like awesome. I was like, Perfect. this company is everything I ever wanted.
0: <laughs> Love it.
1: So speaking of doo doo.
0: So speaking of doo-doo, what we do do on this show is uh, we read stories to you from a long time ago, usually, sometimes not quite so long ago, but whenever it is, they're in public domain so that none of these dead people's families can sue us.
1: They just roll Uh, in their graves.
0: They just roll in their graves and all we do is create new energy for you to read books by. It's a very circular, incestuous kind of podcast, apparently. Anyway, um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) please don't quote us. There's another one that's going to get us kicked out of politics right there. That
0: quote Heather and I take turns selecting stories for the other one to read sight unseen for you into the microphone. And then we make fun of all the stupid shit that happens Along the way. Which is a lot. Uh, This week, it was my turn to select a story. So I am, before we start reading the story, going to read a few uh, fun facts that will give you some uh, education and background on what we're doing.
1: It's nice to learn something before it becomes silly and ridiculous because, you know. Then you, you know, you got you got laughter and you got learning, laughter and learning and pushing babies and pushing babies.
0: (laughs) So jumping right in Uh, last week, while Heather was in West Virginia, we went to see a couple of movies at a drive in movie theater.
1: Yeah, it was fun. It was
0: very fun. Uh, we, we watched uh, Shang-Chi and Black Widow, two movies which are part of the wildly successful Marvel Cinematic Universe, which yeah. is based on the Marvel uh, Comics universe. I'm guessing there aren't any listeners to this podcast who aren't aware of what that is, but, you know, <laughs> just in case, I figured I'd...
1: If, if you're listening and you are not aware of the Marvel Universe, I want to know where you live. Please email us.
0: If you're listening to this and you don't know anything about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I really want you to write a review of our podcast and put it on like iTunes or wherever you listen, where, where you, where you say that we are better than the Marvel movies.
1: (laughs) I mean, honestly, even if you, even if you like the Marvel movies, I want you to write that in a review. I, we will love you forever.
0: (laughs) That'd be great. Uh, anyway, so superhero comic books have been around and popular for like decades, um, but they are generally considered to be a descendant of a kind of literature. And listeners, if you couldn't hear the air quotes that I used around the word literature, <laughs> just know they were there. Um, so, a kind of literature that we've become very fond of here at Campfire Classics, pulp fiction.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I. I'm going to give a few tidbits about this genre, which is actually a collection of a bunch of other subgenres that were published in magazines on cheap pulp paper, hence the name, uh, since our story comes from an author that we read not that long ago, so there's no point in giving that person's whole history.
1: What What episode was that, if people want to listen?
0: Uh, I, I'm, going, I'm going to get around to that at the okay. end of my fun Oh, things.
1: Got it, got it. Okay, yeah. I, ju- I jumped uh, the gun. So,
0: you jump the gun. Spoilers, darling. The Pulps, or Pulp Fiction Magazines, started back in 1896 when a guy named Frank Munzee decided to combine cheap printing, cheap paper, and cheap authors in a package that <laughs> provided affordable entertainment to young, working-class people.
1: Cheap authors? <laughs> that can mean yep. so many things. Like, that can be like, we don't have to pay them much, or it can just be like, they, they hose. <laughs>
0: Uh, I think it was sort of a combination of the two. That it, they, they like honestly, that what he was looking for when he started publishing these was authors who would sell themselves for real cheap.
1: So, like most actors,
0: like most actors, yeah,
1: yeah, no shame, no shame.
0: So he started publishing Argosy with um, about. Uh, 135,000 words or about 192 pages per issue on pulp paper uh, which the, the, the reason they're called pulp is because the paper it was like cheap wood pulp paper as opposed to the glossy paper mm-hmm. that you get with
1: Like printer paper and like nice magazines. Uh,
0: So pulp paper, untrimmed edges, no illustrations, not even on the cover. Okay. Um, Like these were super cheap to produce. In six years, Argosy went from a few thousand copies per month to over half a million.
1: Damn straight.
0: (laughs) Yep. Uh, So they were so popular that in 1903, they started getting competition. The Popular Magazine, yes, they actually just titled themselves The Popular Magazine. Well,
1: that seems uh, egotistical.
0: (laughs) Launched in 1903 and started advertising themselves as the biggest magazine in the world.
1: Also, I've never heard of it, so clearly it didn't pan out super great for them.
0: (laughs) Not great, no. Um, But So they called themselves the biggest magazine in the world because they averaged about two pages longer than Argosy per issue. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind that because of formatting, there was actually, in fact, considerably less content in each issue. So, two two more pages, but less printing.
1: Bullshit! Uh, this is, <laughs> these people suck. <laughs> Yep. These are, these are the did, guys however, that these are the guys that drive like fucking hummers now. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, bigger and no content.
1: <laughs> yeah, bigger, no content. <laughs> and doesn't make any fucking sense. You have no need for it. Uh, yep.
0: They did, however, establish two significant innovations in uh, in the publishing of pulp magazines. Okay, reusing authors in issue after issue, something that we do on this podcast.
1: <laughs> what and
0: uh, <laughs> and breaking stories up into uh, genres. Okay. So instead of just sort of you read it and you get what you get, they were classified by genre. Like uh, favorite genres.
1: Detectives. Things
0: like adventure, aviation, detective mystery, mm-hmm. fantasy, uh horror, occult, humor, romance, sci-fi. Foreign. There yeah. there was there was the spicy slash saucy genre, which was basically just softcore porn and erotica spicy. stories.
1: Spicy. Oh my god. Yep. I love that it was called spicy or saucy. Yep. <laughs>
0: Uh and uh and westerns. Um and there are also it there are things like there is spicy sci-fi. There is oh, spicy yeah. horror. There you know are what was spicy saucy sci-fi? westerns. You remember
1: the spicy the potato monster? <laughs> she was yep. a spicy potato monster. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was considered a spicy sci-fi. There
0: was also a a, a, uh, a subgenre of all of these that wasn't really a genre to itself, but they were called hero pulps. Okay. Uh, hero pulps were stories that revolved around uh, uh, one same central character over and over again, like mm-hmm. the serialized Poirot mysteries. Okay. Um, characters that came from these that are still known today that that started out as hero pulps include pe- uh, characters like Conan the Barbarian, Tarzan, Zorro, Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, The Shadow, uh, and John Carter of Mars. Okay. And these ones, these hero pulps, are the ones that, as their popularity started to fade during World War II, gave rise to the superhero comics that we know and love today. Not only were our muse, Agatha Christie's stories, often published in Pulps, but many of our favorite authors on this podcast either wrote specifically for Pulp magazines or were republished in them later. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft, um, Edgar Allan Poe, H.G. Wells, Mark Twain, Ray Bradbury, and of course, this week's author... The happy socialist, whose works are almost all in public domain, even though they don't have to be. And <laughs> writer of the time-traveling Oktoberfest mystery, Unborn Tomorrow, yes. Mac Reynolds.
1: Yay, because uh, you, you loved it so out, much. So. I
0: did, I loved that story. <laughs> yeah. So you can check out season two, episode three, entitled Sex Fly, for sex some fun fly, facts
1: fly, about him. you were Sex fly. <laughs> I, so I this week,
0: uh, Heather, you will be reading a science fiction story originally published in the magazine Orbit Sci-Fi, entitled "Potential Enemy."
1: Ooh, dangerous! I like it. Let's start Sounds this fun, fire. Eh? Yes. "Potential Enemy" by Mac Reynolds. It isn't travel that is broadening, stimulating, or educational. <laughs> educational. It's always good to stumble on the word educational. Clearly, yeah, I didn't although, get enough education to know how to say it.
0: <laughs> although, I also like broadening and stimulating. <laughs> All right,
1: Just let's standing. try that again. Uh, I mean, I like broadening, broad, yep. bro- we're in a good place, okay. Potential <laughs> enemy by- <Uh-oh>.
0: me. <laughs> you're going backwards now.
1: Oh no, it's bad. Potential enemy. But but, but, potential. I'm gonna do it. I got this. Are we gonna make
0: it through the title this time?
1: I got it. I've got it. I'm an actor. I'm professional. Professional.
0: All right. So let's let's break it down. So far, (laughs) what do you get from the title, potential enemy?
1: Um, what I might create by not being able to read this story. Let's try it again. Let's try that one more time. Okay. Okay. Potential Enemy by Mac Reynolds. It isn't travel that is broadening, stimulating, or educational. Not the traveling itself. Visiting new cities, new countries, new continents, or even new planets, yes. But the travel itself, no. Be it by the methods of the 20th century, automobile, bus, train, or aircraft, or be it by spaceship, travel is nothing more than boring.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> so now we all know that no matter how advanced our spaceships get, there will always be a kid in the back seat going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet?
1: I have to pee. You just peed. I gotta pee. <laughs> Don't yep. make
0: me turn this spaceship around. <laughs> I will send us straight back to Centauri 4. No, we've been flying for six years.
1: So long. Oh, it's interesting enough for the first few hours, say. You look out the window of your car, bus, train, or airliner, or over the side of your ship, and it's very stimulating. But after the first period, it becomes boring, monotonous, sameness, to the point of redundance. And so it is in space.
0: (laughs) Is that true? Did you find that after your first period, it was boring and monotonous? (laughs)
1: abso fucking I mean, I don't know if it was boring. It was definitely monotonous. It continues to be monotonous. Boring never, because it's always like, what? Come on. Monotonous, absolutely. It's like, fuck off. Uh. And so it is in space. Markham Gray, freelance journalist for more years than he would like to admit, was en route to the Neptune satellite Triton to his home planet Earth, mistress of the solar system. (laughs) Lady Earth, you saucy minx.
0: Saucy or spicy? Uh,
1: I I think saucy. (laughs) She's she's saucy. It's a little little classier than spicy, I think. He was seasoned enough as a space traveler to steel himself against the monotony with cards and books, with chess problems and wire tapes, and even with an attempt to do an article on the distant Earth base from which he was returning for the Space Traveler Digest. So he 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 brought he packed his backpack full of fun things to do.
0: Yeah. Also, I like that whether spicy or saucy, he was seasoned.
1: <laughs> Boo. Uh. Boo. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: I'm gonna stop catching stupid ass wordplay. It's not helping anyone.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what this whole podcast is. And I've, I, I have we have had re- we had had li- we have had listeners write in and say we very much do help them. So good puns, puns for the win. All right. When all these failed, he sometimes spent a half hour or so staring at the vision screen, which took up a considerable area of one wall of the lounge. Unless he had a vivid imagination of the type which had remained with Markham Gray down through the years, a few minutes at a time would have been enough. With rare exception, the view on the screen seemed almost like a still, a velvety blackness with pinpoints of brilliant light, unmoving and unchanging.
0: Ah, so the the, the screen isn't like, he's not watching TV, he's it's just like watching space the, go by. It's
1: space, yeah. It's like yeah. looking out the window. But even Markham Gray, with his ability to dream and to discern that which is beyond, found himself twisting with ennui, mm, what word is this? I E-N-N-U-I. Ennui. Oh, I've never seen that I've never seen that word in writing.
0: <laughs> ennui, dear ennui. listener, is French for boredom.
1: He found himself twisting with ennui after 30 minutes of staring at endless space. He wished that there was a larger number of passengers aboard. The half dozen businessmen and their women and children had left him cold and he was doing his best to avoid them. Now, if there had only been one good chess player, "'Co-pilot Borman was passing through the lounge. "'He nodded to the distinguished elderly passenger, "'flicked his eyes quickly, professionally, "'over the vision screen, and was about to continue on his way. Gray called idly, "'Hans, I thought the space patrols very seldom got out here.' "'Particularly never, sir,' the other told him politely, "'hesitating momentarily.' Part of the job was to be constantly amiable, constantly watchful of the passengers out here in deep space. They came down with Space Cafford at the top of a hat, at the drop of a hat, <laughs> but Cafford. Cafford, C-A-F-A-R-D. I'm some sort of like,
0: disease. Oh. Ah, uh, caffar. Uh, depression or melancholy.
1: I think after COVID, I think we all know what that is.
0: (laughs) So they get, they get space sad.
1: Uh, So the people working on the ship are like, they need to be aware that they need to keep people on the up, up, up and up.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Space Cafford at the drop of a hat. Markham Gray reminded Borman of pictures of Benjamin Franklin he'd seen in <laughs> history books, and ordinarily he didn't mind spending a little time now and then talking things over with him. But right now he was hoping but right now he was hoping the old duffer wasn't going to keep him from the game going on. F- bleh, bleh. But right now, he was hoping the old duffer wasn't going to keep him from the game going on forward with Captain Post and the steward. (laughs) I just noticed one on the screen, the elderly journalist told him easily. The co-pilot smiled courteously. You must have seen a meteorite, sir. There aren't any. Markham Gray flushed. I'm not as complete a space neophyte as your condescending air would indicate, (laughs) Lieutenant. I gave him the right voice. Yep. (laughs) As a matter of fact... What kind of
0: space noob do you think I am, (laughs) you fucker?
1: Just because I'm old, young whippersnapper? As a matter of fact, I'll stack my space months against yours any day. (laughs) "'Borman said soothingly, "'It's not that, sir. "'You've just made a mistake. "'If a ship was within reasonable distance, "'the alarms would be sounding off right now, "'and that's not all, either. "'We have a complete record of any traffic "'within a considerable distance, "'and I assure you that...' Markham Gray pointed a finger at the lower left corner of the screen. "'Then what is that, Lieutenant?' he asked sarcastically. (laughs) <laughs> the smile was still on the co-pilot's face as he turned and followed the direction of the other's finger. The smile faded. Dun dun dun. I'll be I'll be a Macrone, he blurted. What's a Macrone? Uh spell it. M-A-K-R-O-N. It maybe it's just like space language for son of a bitch. Yep. <laughs> Like, he made it up.
0: I think it's how he is getting away with not having his uh, character say, well, I'll be a motherfucker.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um. The smile faded. I'll be a Macron, he blurted. Spinning on his heel, he hurried forward to the bridge, muttering as he went. The older man snorted with satisfaction. He's like, we're under attack, but I was right.
0: <laughs> we might Actually, all die, but I'll die being right, and that's really important. But at least really I was
1: important. right. <laughs>
0: uh, I I would just like to remind listeners who did not take the time to go back to listen to Sex Fly before this that um, Mac Reynolds is the author who uh, who wrote a uh, Star Trek
1: um, novel. Yes, yes. So yeah, yeah. He's he's pretty badass. The older man snorted with satisfaction. Actually, he shouldn't have been so snappy with the young man. He hated to admit that he was growing cranky with age. <laughs> he, took up, he took up his half-completed manuscript again. He really should finish this article, though. Space knew he hadn't enough material for more than a few paragraphs. Triton was a barren satellite if he'd ever seen one. And he had...
0: Did he just use space new as yeah. opposed to, like, God only God knows, knew. God yeah. knew? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love the, like, world we're in here. It's like space only knows. Awesome. Yeah.
0: That's, that's, yeah, that's good world building. I like that.
1: He had almost forgotten the matter 10 minutes later when the ship's public address system blurted loudly... Battle stations, battle stations, all crew members to emergency stations, all passengers immediately to their quarters, battle stations. Oh, dear. Yeah, that is something you don't want to hear on a on a spaceship or a cruise ship or a, uh, you know, like, I'm just imagining hearing that when we're on the ship. (laughs) Like, what the fuck?
0: (laughs) Do you on the cruise ship, do you have a plan in case of pirates?
1: Um, yes. They're, I mean, like, I don't have to do anything because I'm a fucking dancer and singer and Footloose, but, like, they do have, um... They definitely have, <laughs> like, plans for said things because it has happened. I mean, pirates have attacked cruise ships before. <laughs> Can you imagine if they're like, Footloose cast, please, to the front deck to scare the pirates away by singing at them. <laughs> and it's like, we're gonna cut loose, <laughs> footloose. And they're like, uh-uh, we ain't dealing with these people. <laughs> This all is way dancers, too much work.
0: All dancers, to your tap shoes, to your tap shoes <laughs> immediately.
1: Ren, put on your roller skates. Please roller skate around the deck. <laughs> damn it. Take that, pirates! Mwah. Battle stations. Markham Gray was vaguely familiar with the fact that every solar system spacecraft was theoretically a Warcraft in emergency, but it was utterly fantastic that, oh, he heaved himself to his feet. He's like, ooh, I got something to write about now. Fun! (laughs) (laughs) He heaved himself to his feet, grunting with the effort, and disregarding the repeated command that passengers proceed to their quarters, made his way forward to the bridge. Ignoring the hysterical confusion in passengers and crew members hurrying up and down the ship's passageways. He's like, no. That'd be me. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I, I climb on
0: my roof when there's a tornado and I would definitely go to the front of the ship if there were a pirate attack. Oh, fuck yeah.
1: It was immediately obvious there at the craft's heart that this was no farce, at least not a deliberate one. Captain Roger Post, youthful officer in command of the New Los Angeles, La, uh, da, 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 Lieutenant Hans Bormann, and the two crew members on watch were white-faced and shaken, momentarily confused in a situation which they had never expected to face. The two officers stood before the bridge vision screen watching wide-eyed that sector of space containing the other vessel, they had enlarged it a hundredfold at the elderly journalist's interest not interest at the elderly journalist's entrance the skipper had a quick oh my god journalist's entrance is a hard back to back words actually
0: yeah you're you're also pronouncing entrance in a very southern way right now
1: oh it's cuz i'm in the fucking south it's cuz i've been in the south for too long it's happening. He is entrance. An,
0: it's it's the the elderly journalist's entrance, not entrance. his entrance.
1: It's, it's entrance. Really? It's entrance? entrance. Entrance. Oh, I think that's that's, that's entrances. E, I think, not an I. Entrance is. Uh, I think that one's holding on from my childhood, right there. It's like game. <laughs> Whenever I say the word game, it, it's like a diphthong. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. And uh, how do
0: you pronounce h a t e?
1: Hate, 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 hey, hey, hate, hate. I'll give
0: you a hint. There is no N in that word.
1: How I actually pronounce it, hate. How I know I'm supposed to pronounce it, hate. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love growing right. up in the South.
0: Go back to the journalist's elderly entrance.
1: Okay. Ew. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> back there do i have to wipe it <laughs> it's the duty patrol um <laughs> duty calls duty calls everybody <laughs> even in space maybe
0: that's maybe that's what the spaceship is coming for
1: oh for the for the, the for the poop
0: <laughs> they're the duty patrol
1: they're the duty patrol the poop the poop patrol <laughs> Alright, back to that man's entrance. Okay. At the elderly journalist <laughs> At the elderly journalist's entrance, the skipper had shot a quick, irritated glance over his shoulder and had begun to snap something. He cut it off. Instead, he said, When did you first sight the alien ship, Mr. Gray? Alien? Yes, alien. When did you first sight it? It is obviously following us in order to locate our home planet. There was an extreme tension in the captain's voice. Markham Gray felt cold fingers trace their way up his back. Ew.
0: Captain, that's very forward of (laughs) you. Like,
1: Captain, I know you're stressed, but, like, I did not say this was okay.
0: (laughs) My elderly entrance is not prepared (laughs) to help you relieve your stress. Thank you very much. (laughs)
1: I'm a little tense right now, and that means there's a lot of tightening back there. It's not going to be helpful. (laughs) Markham Gray felt cold fingers trace their way up his back. Why, why, I must have noticed it uh, several hours ago, Captain, but an alien? I... He peered at the enlarged craft on the screen. Are you sure, Captain? It seems remarkably like our own, I would say. The captain had spun back around to stare at the screen again, as though to reassure himself of what he had already seen. "'There are no other ships in the vicinity,' he granted, almost as though to himself... Besides that, as far as I know, and I should know, there are no Earthcraft that look exactly like this. There are striking similarities, I'll admit, to our St. Louis-class scouts, but those jets are on the prow. There's nothing like them either in existence or projected. I love that all the ships are named hmm. after our cities, like on Earth. His voice rose in an attempt to achieve decisiveness. Decisiveness. Lieutenant Borman, prepare to attack. <laughs> Suddenly, the Telvis blared, calling the New of Los Angeles. Calling the New of Los Angeles. Be unafraid; we are not hostile. That's what they all say. There was quiet on the bridge of the Earthship. Screaming quiet. It was seemingly hours before they had recovered even to the point of staring at one another. Hans Bormann gasped finally, unbelievingly. How could they possibly know the name of our ship? How, how could they possibly know the Amer-English language? Oh, Amer-English language. It's, uh, it's like American, American English. English. Yeah. Yeah. Amer-English language. The captain's face was white and frozen. He said so quietly that you could hardly make it out. That's not all. Our our alarms still haven't been touched off, and their estimators aren't functioning. We we don't know how large they are or how far away. It's unheard of. Somehow they've completely disrupted our instruments. (laughs) I hate when someone disrupts your instruments without letting you know. Because if yeah. you don't know how large it is, I mean, you don't have any way to prepare.
0: It can be very <laughs> disrupting if you don't know how large it is. Yeah.
1: It's like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. Or it can be like, nah, okay. Yeah.
0: Although I suppose <laughs> if your entrance is a little older, it probably develops some flexibility.
1: Yeah. I mean, it gets a little stretchy. Or at least
0: calluses. <laughs>
1: Gross. Some hemorrhoids. I, mean-
0: <laughs> I feel like hemorrhoids are the opposite of calluses.
1: Yeah, they they kind of are. Yeah. <laughs> We Okay, so there's a line. So time passes. Okay. Markham Gray followed the matter with more than average interest after their arrival at the new Albuquerque spaceport. Not that average interest wasn't high. Finally, man had come in contact with another intelligence. He had been dreading it, fearing it for decades. Now it was here. Another life form had conquered space and seemingly had equipment, in some respects at least, superior to humanities. The court-martial of Captain Roger Post had been short and merciless. Free access to the... Oh, Oh, shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) He got in trouble for that? (laughs) Oh, no.
0: Well, they probably figure he should have seen it coming. yeah. We also don't know yet how he handled the the interaction. Yeah,
1: we don't know what just happened because time just went away. Free access to the trial had been given to the press and telvis I think it's televisions. It's just like this world's version of television. Yeah. Television systems and the newscast had carried it in its entirety, partially to stress the public mind the importance of the situation, and partially as a warning to other spacemen. That's nice. <laughs> Post had stood before the raised dais upon which were seated Soup Spacecom Mitchell and four other high-ranking officers, and heard the charge read. Failure to attack the alien craft, destroy it, and thus prevent the aliens, wherever they might be from, in returning to their own world and reporting the presence of man in the galaxy. So, I guess... uh, So, he is being
0: court-martialed for not firing on the ship.
1: For not taking down the ship. Markham Grey, like thousands of others, had sat on the edge of his chair in the living room of his small suburban home and followed the trial closely on his telvis. Soup Space com Mitchell had been blunt and ruthless. He had rapped out bitingly. Roger Post, as captain of the Nouve Los Angeles, why did you not either destroy the alien spacecraft or, if you felt it too strong for your ship, why did you not blast off into space, luring it away from your home planet? Post said hesitantly, I didn't think it necessary, sir. His attitude was, well, of peace. It was if... They were two ships that had met by chance and dipped their flags in the old manner and passed on their different destinations. They even were able to tell us a message. The soup space comm snapped. That was undoubtedly a case of telepathy. The alien is equipped with some manner to impose those thoughts upon the human brain. You thought the Telvis was used. Actually, the alien wasn't speaking a mere English. He was simply forcing thoughts into your minds. This man seems to know a lot wow. about aliens that no one has ever seen. <laughs> like, like, wow! Yeah, way to jump to conclusions. Just pushing to scare dick? people. Yeah this is scare tactics America yeah he, he's
0: he's reminding me he's reminding me a lot of um certain <clears throat> media outlet personalities
1: Markham gray watching and listening to this over his set shook his head in dissatisfaction as always the military mind was dull and unreceptive. <laughs> The ridiculousness of expecting Post. Uh, Yeah, right?
0: (laughs) Lady Maxine Reynolds, you had some strong feelings.
1: The ridiculousness of expecting Post to blast off into space in an attempt to fool the other craft in regard to his home planet was obvious. The whole affair had taken place within the solar system. Obviously, the alien would know that one of the soul's nine planets was mankind's home finding out which one wouldn't be too difficult a job. <laughs> Roger Post saying hesitantly, then it is assumed that the alien craft wasn't friendly? Soup Spacecom Mitchell indicated his disgust with an impatient flick of his hand. Any alien is a potential enemy, Post. That should be elementary. And a potential enemy is an enemy, in fact. Even though these aliens might seem amiable enough today, how do we know that they will be in the future? Possibly in the far future. There can be no friendship with aliens. We can't afford to have neighbors. We can't afford to be encircled by enemies. Maybe because you're a dick, everyone's going to hate you, so... (laughs) Maybe if you make friends so with them, this, you can help.
0: This this story is clearly a not-so-subtle jab at the, um...
1: McCarthyism?
0: The, 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 the fear and warmongering that was going on.
1: Yeah. Nor even friends? Captain Post asked softly. Mitchell glared at his subordinate. That is what it amounts to, Captain, and the thing to remember is that they feel the same way. They must... They must seek out and destroy us completely, and as quickly as possible. By the appearance of things, and partially through your negligence, they've probably won the first round. They know our location. We don't know theirs. Wow, he just jumps to, like, a lot of conclusions here.
0: (laughs) This is a guy who lives in fear.
1: Yes, constantly. Yep. The Supreme Commander... And I'm going
0: to go ahead and say he also has a small penis.
1: Well, yes. Uh, fair, I mean, micro. The micro penis. He's got an He innie. probably
0: drives a really big, loud truck.
1: Oh, yeah. With He purposely took the muffler off so he could make sure everyone can hear when he's coming. Yep. Because <laughs> normally he doesn't get to be coming at all. Because he has this Aww. small penis. I tried. <laughs>
0: can you can you continue to explain it for two more sentences?
1: Um, for two more sentences so if someone has a car that makes a lot of noise when they're coming down the street, it's because w- they never actually get to have sex with anyone so they don't get to make noise when they are coming so they like rig their car so everyone will hear when they're like approaching but you know coming.
0: Got it. Thank you. I just, I find, I, I, generally find that jokes are much funnier if you take the when time you explain, to explain them why they're funny. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. You, you are good at those. So, um.
0: <laughs> thank you.
1: Damn. I I'm laughing on the inside. Yes, you are. I can see it in you. I can see it in your eyes. The supreme commander of Earth's space forces dropped at that point. Let us go back again. When you received this telepathic message—or whatever it was—what was your reaction? Did it seem friendly, domineering, or what? Roger Post stood silent for a moment, and finally he answered, "Sir, I think it was the Telvis rather than a telepathic communication. But the—the the tone of voice seemed to give me the impression of uh, pitying." Pitying, Mitchell ejaculated. <laughs> Ejaculation. We got one. We have an official ejaculation on the episode, and it's not even an Agatha Christie.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, it comes from Soup Space Commander Mitchell, who drives a big truck because he doesn't get to ejaculate nearly yeah. often enough.
1: See? See, I called it. I even knew. I was like, he's yep, yeah, he needs to ejaculate because, you know, he never gets to. With <laughs> yep. It's good times. I mean, like, I was not expecting an ejaculation in this story. <laughs> the captain was nervous but determined yes sir i had the distinct feeling that the being that sent the message felt sorry for us the soup space comm's face had gone red with indignation and then there's another break so we Some have another time, time pass
0: yeah, the, the the commander there didn't like being told that he's kind of pathetic and aliens just feel bad for how lame you are.
1: Yeah, he's like, wow, your technology is great. Um, <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> it was three years before another of the aliens was sighted. Oh, mm, damn. Big time jump. All right. Three hurried, crowded, harassed years during which all of the solar system's resources were devoted to building and arming a huge space fleet and rushing space defenses. The total wars of the 20th century paled in comparison to all-out efforts made to prepare for this conflict. Seems rational. Yep. One, One sighting of a seemingly, like, not harmful spaceship causes the entire planet to like fucking go on like full-blown war zone. The second view of the alien ship was similar to the first. This time the Pendleton, a four man scout returning to the Venus base after a patrol in the direction of Sirius held the intruder in its viewer for a full five minutes Once again, no estimation of its distance or size could be made. All instruments pertaining to such detection seemed to fail to function properly. And again, the alien had sent a message, seemingly, at least by Telvis. "'We are in no danger to you, mankind. Seek your destiny in peace. Your troubles are from within.'" Okay, that's a spookier <laughs> message.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's just a like, y'all are freaking out, but it's you're freaking out at your own shit.
1: Yeah, like get like we're not here to hurt you. You're gonna end up hurting yourself. <laughs>
0: yep. yep, they're warning Earth about global warming, but it's okay. <laughs> we've already solved it.
1: Yep, damn straight.
0: We're making these authors spin in their graves, and that's how we're fixing it. So it's, it's cool. We got it.
1: We got this. We got this. The Pendleton would have attempted to follow the strange craft, but their fuel tanks were nearly dry, and she had proceeded to Venus. Her captain's report made a sensation. In a way, the whole business had been a good thing for Markham Gray. As a freelancing journalist, he'd had a considerable advantage. First, he was more than usually informed on the space travel and the problems relating to it. Second, he had been present at, in fact, had made himself the first sighting of the aliens. His articles were in continuous demand in both magazines and newspaper supplements. Editors clamored for additional material from his voco-typer. There was but one complaint against his copy. It wasn't alarmist enough, sensational enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. These people thrive on fear, and he's just writing facts, and facts aren't fun enough. Yep. (laughs) Humanity had been whipped into a state of hysteria, an emotional binge, and humanity loved it. Wow, this is a little oh, too fucker, close. To I wasn't home.
0: prepared. I wasn't prepared to relate to this story so hard. Yeah, I'm relating. I'm really Wait, sorry. Well,
1: that's the thing with like sci-fi is like it, they're so good at. I mean, it does such a beautiful job of talking about reality without talking about reality. <laughs> like, yep. 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 This uh, is pretty pretty close to home. And it was there that Markham Gray refused to go along. He had agreed with poor Captain Post, now serving a life sentence in the Martian prison camps. There had been no sign of hostility from the alien craft. It was man who was preparing for war, and Gray knew of no period in history in which preparations for war did not eventually culminate in one. Fucking shit, that's dark and real.
0: (laughs) That's very real.
1: I mean, that's like the epitome of uh, Chekhov's gun. (laughs) Like... Yeah, yeah. Like
0: yeah, but but put into real life practice.
1: Yeah, like if if you build it, they will like the war will happen. Uh, So yeah, so
0: this this story actually was written and published in 1953. So we're not far out of World War II, and we're in the throes of Korea and gearing up for uh, Vietnam, and yeah, dead in the the the, Red Scare. The Red Scare. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's like yeah. So this is his this is his take on uh, like Arthur Miller's Crucible like he did it through the witch trials <laughs> he's doing it through yep. aliens yep uh, da, 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 da. so it was not really strange that it was he the aliens chose to contact yeah they did oh no it came in the early hours of the morning he awakened not without a chill of fear. The sound of his telvis set in his ears. He had left it turned off. He knew that. He shook his head to clear it, impatient of the fact that with advancing years, it was taking an increasing time to become alert after sleep. <laughs> Amen, buddy. A yeah. fucking man. <laughs> I, have, I have rehearsal at 8 tomorrow. I'm like, I think I need to wake up at 5, so I'm awake <laughs> by the time I get there. <laughs> Damn. Damn. He had not caught the message. Oh, that's right. He had not caught the message. For a brief moment, he thought the sound had been a dream. Then the telvis spoke again. The screen was blank. It said, Are you awake, Mr. Gray? (laughs) My God, if my television said, Are you awake, Heather? I'd be like, I'm out of here. Bye. Fuck off. Like...
0: Not for nothing, but Netflix does that all the time.
1: Are you still watching and stuff like that? But it doesn't say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. And it like it not when say the it TV's out loud. off.
0: <laughs> but but we are we are a short step away from it asking out loud.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you have like a Siri or when, or uh, Alexa or whatever those fucking things are, like it talks to you.
0: Did you fall asleep? Turn off the TV.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he stared at it. "'uncomprehending. "'He said, "'I... uh, "'I don't understand.' "'And then suddenly "'he did understand, "'as though by an inspired revelation, "'why they were able to speak "'a mere English, "'why their ship looked like a terrain one, "'why they had been able to disrupt "'the Earth ship's instruments. "'He said haltingly, "'Why are you here?' "'We are familiar with your articles. "'You alone, Mr. Gray, seem at least to seek understanding. "'Before we left, we felt it was our duty to explain our presence and our purpose. "'That is, partially.' "'Yes,' he said. "'Then in an attempt to check the conclusion at which he had just arrived, he added,' Are you going from the solar system, leaving your home for a new one? There was a long silence. Finally, as we said, we are going to explain partially our presence and purpose, but obviously you know more than we had thought. Would you mind revealing the extent of your knowledge? Gray reached to the foot of the bed and took up his night robe. Partially because it was chilly and partially to give himself time to consider his answer. Also, partially not to wave his dick around in front of a bunch of aliens. <laughs>
0: <Like>. <laughs> These aliens don't need to see my elderly entrance. <laughs> Maybe
1: I don't that, they know what came, their probes
0: are like, but I don't I know want to be part of it.
1: I'm talking about anal probes. man. Perhaps he shouldn't have said that. He was alone in a small house. He had no knowledge of their intentions towards him. But he had gone too far now. He said, "'Not at all. I'm not sure of where we stand, but things should be much clearer shortly. First of all, your spaceships are tiny, probably less than ten pounds. About four, Mr. Gray.' Which explains why our instruments did not record them. The instruments weren't disrupted. Your ships were really too small to register. That's where we made our first mistake. We assumed, for no valid reason, that you were approximately our own size. We were willing to picture you as a non-human and possessing limbs, organs, and even senses different from ours. But we have pictured Aliens, as we've been calling you, as approximately our own size. Actually, you must be quite tiny. Quite tiny, Markham Gray. Although, of course, the way we think of it is that you are quite huge. (laughs) (laughs) He was becoming more confident now, widely awake. It was less strange to hear the words come from his commonplace home model Telvis set, "'Our second mistake was in looking for you throughout space,' he said softly. "'There was a hesitation again, and then—' "'And why was that a mistake, Markham Gray?' "'Gray wet his lips. (laughs) "'He might be signing his death warrant, but he couldn't stop now. "'Because you are not really aliens, but of Earth itself.' Several facts point that way. For instance, your ships are minute models of Earth ships, or rather, of human ships. You have obviously copied them. And then, too, you have been able to communicate with humans so easily. An alien to our world would have much more trouble. Our ways, our methods of thinking are not strange to you. You have discovered a secret which has been kept for... "'Many centuries, Markham Gray.' "'He was more at ease now, somehow, "'that there was no threat in the attitude of the other. "'Gray said, "'The hardest thing for me to understand "'is why it has been kept a secret. "'Obviously you are a tiny form of earth life, "'probably an insect which has progressed intellectually "'as far beyond other insect forms "'as manned beyond other mammals.' Why have you kept in a secret why have you kept this a secret from humans?
0: This is very reminiscent of the um the Silurian uh story arcs in Doctor Who Oh yeah
1: yeah yeah S-
0: Silurians they're they're the the um
1: the really the, teeny the ones
0: reptile no, they're the oh, the, the reptile the humans yes. that live live Underneath. underground yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah oh yeah. you should be able to answer that yourself mr gray as we developed we were appalled by the only other life form on our planet with a developed intelligence why not even your own kind is safe from your bloodlust. The lesser animals on Earth have been either enslaved by man or slaughtered to extinction. And even your fellows in the recent past were butchered. Man killed man wholesale. Do you blame us for keeping our existence a secret? We knew that the day humans discovered there was another intelligence on Earth, they would begin making plans to dominate it, or even more likely to destroy us. "'Our only chance was to find some refuge away from Earth. "'That is why we began to search the other stars "'for a planet similar to this "'and suitable for our life-form.'" "'You could have fought back, uh, "'had we attempted to destroy you,' Gray said uncomfortably. "'The next words were coldly contemptuous. "'We are not wanton killers like man,' We have no desire to destroy. Damn. That's fucking... Wow. Gray winced and changed the subject. You have found your new planet? At last. We are about to begin transportation of our population to the new world. For the first time since our ancestors became aware of the awful presence of man on the earth, we feel that we can look forward to security. Markham Gray remained quiet for a long time. I am still amazed that you were able to develop so far without our knowledge, he said finally. There was an edge of amusement in the answering thought. "'We are very tiny, Mr. Gray, and our greatest efforts have always been to keep from under man's eyes. "'We have profited greatly, however, by our suitability to espionage. "'Little goes on in the human world of which we don't know.' "'Our progress was greatly aided by our being able to utilize the science that man had already developed. "'You've noted, for instance, how similar our spaceships are to your own.' Gray nodded to himself. "'But I'm also impressed by the manner in which you have developed some mechanical device "'to duplicate human speech that evolved original research.' At any rate, neither man nor we need dread the future any longer. We have escaped the danger that overhung us, and you know now that there are no alien enemies from space threatening you. We wish you well, mankind. Perhaps the future will see changes in your nature. It is in this friendly hope that we have contacted humanity through you, Mr. Gray. The elderly journalist said quietly. I appreciate your thoughtfulness and hope you are correct. Good luck to you in your new world. Thank you, Markham Grey, and goodbye. The set was suddenly quiet again.
0: So what needs to happen here is Grey needs to wait until they leave Earth completely before he tells anyone anything.
1: Yep. There has been another line in the story, so time I'm gonna be passed. Really,
0: I'm going to be really cranky if that's not what is happening.
1: <laughs> well, time has passed. There were another okay. Thing. Markham Gray stood before the assembled military council of the solar system. He had told his story without interruption to the most powerful body on Earth. They listened to him in silence. When he had finished, he waited for their questions. The first came from Mitchell. He said thoughtfully, You believe your words to be sustainably correct, Gray. I believe them to be entirely truthful, Your Excellency, the journalist told him sincerely. Then they are on the verge of leaving the Earth and removing to this other planet in some other star system? Oh, he didn't wait. He didn't wait. Nope. That is their plan. The, yep, yeah, The subspace come used aloud. We'll be able to locate them when they blast off in mass. Their single ships are so small that they missed being observed, but a mass flight will be able to we will be able to detect. Our cruisers will be able to follow them all the way, blasting them as they go. If any get through to their new planet, we'll at least know where they are, and we can take our time in destroying it. Fuck this guy. (sighs) The president of the council added thoughtfully... Quite correct, Mitchell, and in the early stages of the fight, we should be able to capture some of their ships intact. As soon as we find what kind of insect they are, our bacteriologists will be able to work on a method to eliminate any of that m- that might remain on Earth.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I hate oh all God. these
1: people. Oh, my God. Markham Gray's face had oh paled God. in horror. But why, he blurted out, "'Why not let them go in peace? "'All they've wanted for centuries is to escape us, "'to have a planet of their own.' "'Subspace Calm Mitchell eyed him tolerantly. "'You seem to have been taken in, Mr. Gray. "'Once they've established themselves in their new world, "'we'll have no idea how rapidly they might develop "'and how soon they might become a threat.' Even though they might be peaceful today, they are potential enemies tomorrow. And a potential enemy is an enemy who must be destroyed. Grey felt sickness well through him. But... But this policy, uh, what... "'happens when man finally finds his brother's a life-form more advanced than he, a, "'an intelligence strong enough to destroy rather than be destroyed.' "'The tolerance was gone now. "'The subspace calm said coldly, "'Don't be a pessimistic defeatist, Gray!' "'He turned to the admirals and generals of his staff. "'Make all preparations for the attack, gentlemen.' That's the end.
0: Thanks, I hate it.
1: <laughs> I mean it was not um, inaccurate.
0: No, no it was like it was it was great. yeah.
1: If it had any other ending, I would be like, well, that's a sweet way to end it. yeah.
0: <laughs> Nope. It's like that, that, that plays. I buy that.
1: Exactly how it would be. It's like, why, why, why do we feel the need to fucking like be the domineering thing of all things all the time? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and God damn it, Gray, if you just kept your mouth shut for like three days.
1: I know. I would be like, um, I'm going to take some time to write this article. Yeah. (laughs) Like... I'm just going to take a little time. Or if, or if the aliens had told them how long it was going to take for them to leave. So he, they could be like, if you can wait two months, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, but
0: no, this is, this is a story with the, the, what's the, um, how's the saying go? Uh, when, when the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail.
1: Ah, yes. Yeah. That's a good saying. I like that. Yeah, when all you do is destroy, 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 everything yeah. looks like an enemy. Yeah,
0: when yeah, when the only tool you have is is a gun, every problem looks like a threat.
1: Something you can shoot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that was a very good story. I I really do like his style. Like, yeah, he's very yeah, very good. Like,
0: that's 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 two for two that have been um, interesting uh engaging and like concise in the writing, which is well very and nice. very
1: different because like the one oh, you yeah. read was a time traveling story and like that's at first I thought the alien spacecraft was actually them from like, like from the, the future, future or yeah yeah. yeah 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 that's what I thought at first because the last story we read by him was time travel um but this no this one was more just straight up sci-fi
0: yeah like
1: aliens uh um, yeah and very political. This one was much more like political like clearly making a comment on humanity. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. This this felt like something that could have been turned into a uh, a Star Trek arc or into a Doctor Who arc.
1: Which it kind of was.
0: <laughs> which it kind of was, whether directly and intentionally or not.
1: Yeah, cuz like definitely the second you explained which ones they were, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's those the lizard people that are, like, so kind and lovely. Yeah,
0: they're... Well, some of them are, and some of them are super militaristic and... And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that story focuses very heavily on the idea of when the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Because of the people who are waking up, the, the Silurians who are waking up down below the surface, the ones who are soldiers come up and see everything as a threat and immediately start trying to kill or at the very least kidnap every human they see. Yeah. And the ones who are scientists and politicians are instead trying to study or make peace with them.
1: Yeah shocking huh yeah it's Ta-da. like it's that's like very very on the nose and very very good and I'm thinking a lot right now I like that that was very good
0: well listener uh if this made you think I'm really sorry that's never <laughs> my actual intention I'm trying I mean, to make you we, stop thinking we
1: did have an ejaculation in there so I mean we had an
0: ejaculation there were a lot welcome. of butthole jokes
1: <laughs> duty calls
0: <laughs> we talked about hemorrhoids <laughs>
1: There was a lot of butt. There was anal probes. Was yeah.
0: Yeah, there was there was a this this story was a lot of butt stuff.
1: <laughs> Campfire classics, a lot of butt stuff. <laughs> You're welcome everybody. So if you enjoyed that, um, we'd love for you to tell five friends about it. Um, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of those things, or email us or go to our website and send us a message. Tell us what you liked. What is our password of the day? What is our secret? A lot of butt stuff. That's what I I was hoping because it's right there. (laughs) So if you, if you've made it this far in the episode, Ken usually does this, but I started. And we
0: know you have because you're hearing us say this.
1: Because you're hearing us say this, um, Contact us through social media, all of our social media or our email or anything. And um, just uh, message us a lot of butt stuff. Just that phrase. <laughs> we will understand. Yes. What <laughs> don't we are actually explicitly send us not a lot looking of butt stuff.
0: for yeah. is a lot yes. of butt stuff.
1: Please don't send Please us a lot of do butt not, stuff.
0: Do not send links. We're not <laughs> looking for links.
1: I'm not going to open it. I might open it, but I know how to find that stuff
0: on my own. Thank you very much. You do not need to send links,
1: (laughs) but just send us the phrase a lot of butt stuff (laughs) and then feel free to like leave comments on this episode or any episode you have uh, enjoyed or want to chat with us about our crazy lives that we live. And yeah, yeah, and if you
0: haven't yet, write us a review wherever you listen. And yeah. if you listen on Spotify where you can't write us a review, go to one of the other listening things and write us a review
1: there. Yeah. Apple Podcasts is the big review place. That's and, a good one. Uh, yeah. And like, there's like Pod Chaser and a couple of those other like, like yeah. pod podcasts centric things. But yeah, but tell friends because it's all about word of mouth.
0: All right. Uh, I'm done. You got anything else?
1: I'm, I'm done. Last minute I, stories was,
0: you want to fire off?
1: Yeah. Um, How about a knock-knock joke? Knock-knock. Who's there? My butt. My butt who? (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get when I make up jokes on the spot.
0: (laughs) That sound you hear, that sound you're hearing right now, that is the sound (laughs) of our last listener unsubscribing. (laughs) Until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
1: Baby got back.